Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. I am intentionally encouraged when I see people doing business the right way. And for the last 15 years, Damon Burton and his team at SEO National have done just that. Now you might say, Brian, what can they do for me and my business? I'm going to tell you what they can do for you. They can help you understand search engine optimization. There are a lot of players out there in the marketplace, but you want a team of people that are going to be dedicated to working with you and helping you to understand search engine optimization and how you can show up higher on search engines so that you can bring more revenue into your business. Damon and his team are full of integrity, honesty, decency, and trust. And if that's important to you and that encourages you, I would encourage you to give them a call today at 855-736-6285 or go to seonational.com and get a free quote and tell them you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Get ready for a dynamite conversation coming up right now on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. Hey, I've got a really cool episode coming your way today. We've got a magician's assistant, not like you think. Okay, this is according to her profile on LinkedIn. Your skin's new best friend. Okay, we'll talk about that. Boy mom, I'm a boy dad. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we've got that pizza connoisseur. Yeah, I'm, I'm there. Don't have any dogs, but this, this lady is very unique on LinkedIn. And I'm telling you, you're going to fall in love with her in this conversation. Um, but you're also going to just connect with her story, which you'll hear in part two of this conversation, but part one, we're going to dive into to what makes her uniquely her. And that is my guest, Amanda Duesenberg that joins me this morning on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Amanda, how are you? Hi, I'm doing good. We have been trying for a good while to get to get the, together on this because I noticed your profile. Let's start here. You know, mm-hmm. everybody talks about, you know, um, getting greater visibility on social media and things like that. Your profile is interesting. She, you've got magician's assistant, not like you think. So we were we were we were connecting and getting this podcast set up and things like that. She got to tell me. What the number, when somebody sees your, your magician's assistant, what's the number one question you get asked all the time by people? So they say the not like you think, and then they don't know what to do with that information, right? So then they're like, so, so you're not actually working with a magician or, or you're not actually an assistant or like, do you, how they, they don't even really know. They're like, I gotta just ask like, what the heck are you talking about? And, um, that actually was sort of the point of it. Um, and, and the answer to it is that it actually explains it quite well. (laughs) So my job is, um, I am the assistant office manager, um, go-to point person, I guess, for a magician who happens to be my husband. Um, When we had my son five years ago, I was teaching and um, I knew I wanted to take a year off to be with my son and kind of establish that. And it coincided with my husband's business growing to the point where he was going to need to hire a virtual assistant or somebody because he was, he legitimately is an actual magician who works for corporate events. So he travels around the country performing, developing the material, um, 
and it's very unique the way that he does it. And it's very personalized to each individual show um, and actually um, revolves around this whole idea of connection. He's there as a connection point for the people that he works for. So he has to know a lot about what the event is trying to do and who's there. And there's a lot of preparation that goes into that. And that being obviously the part of his job that he loves and does, it takes a lot of attention. Um, but since it's so unique and outside the box, it also takes a lot of marketing. And so to do all that marketing and sales and also develop all the shows, it was, it's a lot for one person. So yeah. rather than hire a virtual assistant, we were like, well, what if I, while I'm home, kind of take some of that that help, help, you know, like I'll help with blog posts, I'll help run in information past me, all that. And so my job is sort of nondescript when it comes to what I do here, other than assistant, like I assist. I, I do the background for the virtual shows. I do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not in any shows. Like I do no magic. I have one magic trick that is terrible <laughs> that I know how to do. So like I have theater background. I do not do any magic at all. <laughs> do you, let me ask you this. Do sure. you feel like you, you mentioned transitioning from the classroom yes. where you were in front of people, albeit people of all ages from little people to bit to, to teenagers. Yes. Do you, do you feel like that helped you? in doing what you're doing now, because, you know, as a teacher, you've got to have lesson plans. You've got to have organization. You've got to know day to day what you're doing and things like that. Was it hard for you to step away from that role and do this one? Or did you, did you find that it was great training for you and what you're doing now? So there, for a while there, it felt like my life was sort of disjointed. Like I had this teaching, I have this theater background. Um, I'm, I like crafts. I like connecting with people, getting to know their story, um, telling stories. So in that beginning transitional point, I felt sort of like, what the heck am I doing here? Because it felt like all these different pieces of my life were not really melding. But fast forward these five years and with the pandemic hitting, um, I that's how I ended up on LinkedIn. I was like, we need to tell people about what we do. So I started doing it like the, the bull in a china shop sort of way that seems very canned, like this is a magician who can help you at your event, like commercial, commercial, infomercial. And then like, as I started reading other people's content and seeing the value of storytelling, it was like, wait a minute, this is what I just finished doing for 13 years. Like I, that's how I taught was storytelling because that's what kept the information sticky in the kid's head. So as soon as I made that connection, all of a sudden it felt like, wait a minute, I do have these skills for this and pull those in. And then doing podcasts and lives and things like that, like those are the performance skills being pulled in and developing our virtual show. There was theater and behind the scenes and lighting and all those things that I had in my brain already <laughs> that we were able to pull in and use. And all of a sudden it was like, wait a minute, no, this is not a disjointed life of random stuff. This is skills that are actually all working together to, to be what I needed when I needed it. I just didn't know I was gonna need them yet. You know what I mean? Well, I know exactly what you mean. And here's the thing too. It, there, there are times, and, and I've, I've talked to folks that, that are husband and wife business owners together mm -hmm. and, and they're, they, they're like, we had to work through these challenges and things like that. We had to work through this. And then we throw the pandemic on top of that. And for someone who like your husband, Mike, who is used to performing in front of people, you're used to being in front of people. Take me through how different that was for you guys to go, okay, um, Mike's not hitting the road and doing a show. Um, we got to probably make a space in our house 
yeah. for Mike to, cause we mentioned before we start recording, you guys have a studio. So I would imagine that, Hey, when he's doing a, a virtual show, he's there like he's like, he's not there and, and trying to incorporate the different worlds into things that are not used to being incorporated. I hope I asked that question correctly. How did you guys kind of manage through that? So, um, he has such a vast knowledge of, of the history of magic. So that was really useful because as we were talking about, like, what the heck are we going to do? Are we going to get other jobs and just put this on hold? What, you know, and this is his passion. So he's like, you know, I think I could put together a virtual show, but we need some stuff. I don't know if we can do it, you know? And it was just like, let's do it. I mean, like, what else are we going to do? Except yeah. suffer and not make money, right? So we kind of looked at our budget. What do we have available? Let's start working. And we kinda, like, we work really well together and we always have on projects and things. Like that's one of the things that we... um noticed when we were dating just like wow we kind of complement each other well when it comes to that and um kind of talking through the problems he's like my biggest problem is like my show is good because of the, the connection with the people and zoom can be bad because of the disconnection from the people so it was very important to him that he figured out how to how to connect with people so that he could see the entire audience so he could talk to people and bring them up on the screen and interact during the show instead of just being you know like it doesn't matter if you're here or not i'm doing a show in my in my side bedroom like that wasn't going to connect with him the way it needed to for him to be feeling secure and helpful in his job but also like it wasn't going to do what it is that he does you know so yeah. that the the big problem with that when we were talking was he can't run the zoom room let people in spotlight people all that behind the scenes stuff that has to happen while he's also engaging with and talking to them and reading like their expressions and talking to them so i was like well i can't yeah. <laughs> so we had he's upstairs in our studio and i was downstairs in our living room and I was running the show. And so the cool thing about that was that our then two and a half year old, I think three, something like that. Um, if the show was in the evening, he had a, a set bedtime. So he'd be in bed and it would be all set. But sometimes we had afternoon shows because of time zones and different things. And so he sat with me and watched daddy's show and he wouldn't have been able to do that had we been, had he been traveling. So there's a lot about his show that my son understands and he heard our conversation so he kind of got to see like why those things were important um he actually plays that he also has a show so he'll be doing something with his little cars and i'll come in and be like hey he's like i'm not a show like, oh, sorry yeah. <laughs> um but like, we would just this is the show time this is how we have to make it work and 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 so we did Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. Prices are going up by the day. We've got to find ways to increase our household revenue. Now, a couple ways you could do that is, one, you could go and ask your boss for a raise, but if that doesn't work, I've got another way for you. It's my friend Joe Hart's program called Products for Profit. Joe's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourage podcast and told his story about how learning retail arbitrage changed his life, and he's been helping thousands of people change theirs. Now, retail arbitrage is simply this. It's taking a product and buying it and then reselling it online for a higher price, and you keep the profits. And guess what? Amazon and Walmart use third-party resellers every day to fulfill their customer orders. I want you to go to productsforprofit.com or productsforprofit.card.co. Get connected to Joe's team. Tell them you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast and start making money today with Products for Profit. And now let's get back to more great conversation on the Intentional Encourager podcast.
Well, that played into your theater background, I would have oh, to imagine, kinda. because, you know, again, every good theater show has the folks that you never see on stage, yeah. the folks behind the scenes, making sure that people get to the right spot that they need to get to, making sure that they're getting in and out of, of scenes and things like that. And so I had, I would have to think that, that it probably heightened to some degree your creativity to go, Hey, that was good. But the next virtual show we do, what about this? Right. What about like that? The timing what about of that one? Exactly. What if we pulled this person in at this time or switch the order so that this would happen? Yeah. It was neat. It was really cool to be able to kind of debrief together after the show. You know, normally it's Mike by himself and he he's the only one who experiences it other than the audience members. So there's nobody to say like, what did you think? How did that come across? So to be able to do that made me excited because I hadn't done theater in a long time. Um, but it, it was cool for him too, just because he could kind of get a second perspective. And we learned that not everybody hears everything that happens on Zoom. <laughs> so like what your microphone picks up isn't necessarily what somebody else's does. So I was like, did you hear that when they said this? And he's like, I didn't hear that. But he probably was starting to talk on the next trick and he and so he missed it. So it was kind of neat to be able to collaborate that way and, and debrief together. Well, and here's the thing too. You know, when, when you're in front of an audience, and I know this singing and things like that over the years and speaking and preaching and things like that, mm -hmm. you're looking around the room for those visual connectors, right? Do, do people have their eyes on you? Do people, right. are people comprehending what you're saying? Are they getting this or is it is it over their heads? And to your point, you know, it's hard to, I'm comfortable connecting like we're connecting on this podcast. Because I've done one live podcast out of 260-some episodes right. where I actually had the person in the room with me. Mm -hmm. And so for me, connect, it's easy to do this. But, but the inverse, when someone is not used to it, were there things from your background that you had to, to give your husband to say, hey, when you're doing this, you might want to do that? Because even though he had the connecting part of of magic behind you know it's always in front of people you were seeing a different perspective and maybe taking some notes I, I would have to I'm trying to put myself in in your position to say you know what would I do in that in that position what what do I think Amanda might do mm -hmm. and I would have to think that you go you might see things like hey um not trying to be critical because sometimes we can we can think our wives or things like that are the most critical people around us. And I'm not saying you are, but I'm saying, did you, did you find things that go that you said to him that, Hey, Mike, if you do this, you know, maybe fine tune it this way, because again, we talked about your theater background. Mm -hmm. So I'd have to think the whole time you're watching this show, the wheels are turning, right? Well, any show <laughs> really like it's kind of a plague that I have with, with the theater background, any, any kind of live performance, I'm always looking at lighting and all those other things too. Um, because I directed them after I stopped acting, I was a director for children's theater. So, um, so yeah, it's sort of a plague because I can't really go to the theater and enjoy it the way other people do. <laughs> I do enjoy it, but I enjoy it from my own, you know, like, oh, that lighting, that's interesting that they chose green. Hmm, I wonder why, <laughs> you know. I do that with um, concerts. I yeah. do that with concerts I attend. I'm like, well, he was kind of sharp on that last note he hit there. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it, and, and so, yes, there's a, a, tricks of the trade. Now, when it comes to the way he should deliver the different things, uh, not as much of that, just because he has so much background knowledge on that. But I would 
like you said, you know, when you're performing, you're kind of looking for the people who are engaged so that you know who you can draw in for the next trick or for the next whatever, right? So that's what you have to do when you're the one performing. When you're not performing, you can watch everybody else. <laughs> and so I would be watching like what, what percentage of people have their cameras on, what percentage of people are doing the little clap thing, but their camera is off because they're engaged and they just, for whatever reason, let their camera off and like different things like that. And, um, and there was some timing, like I could, I could watch some people that were in the last trick. And if they seemed like they were uncomfortable with the transition, like they didn't know that they were going to be done or that, you know, so yeah, there was definitely notes afterwards and it was mostly about lighting and sound and things. Well, here's it's so a, hard. Like you, when you're the one talking, you don't know how your sound is coming across to somebody else. Hundred percent. So I mean, and that's so tricky. I feel like with um, with especially when you live in West Virginia and you have a hillbilly accent like I do. So I mean, it's you know, well, like y'all look at this over here. Well, and yeah. so another interesting point um is when you are doing a sound check, sometimes you are not quite as um, animated as you would be when you're performing all people. Cause you're like sound check and you're just like, check, check. Okay. Is this working out? Okay, fine. And then you perform and you're like, hello everyone. Well, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. Because then you're going to tap out your mics and there's going to be all this feedback and, and stuff like that. So you kind of have to force yourself to get into like show mode before you're in show mode so that yeah. you can make sure that you set everything for the right volumes. Cause when you're all low key, well, exactly. And, and, and I tell, and I tell people all the time, you know, I, I talk to podcasters and I say, let me give you a piece of advice. Always work on your voice because I talk to myself in the car. I, because I, I do that because, and, and probably people look at me like, oh, this guy's an idiot. You know, why is he, why is he talking to himself? It's because you want to be able to, I'll say this. I have done thousands of interviews with myself before I've ever done the first conversation on a podcast because you want to make sure your timing's good, your delivery's good. You're working, you're, you're constantly working on your voice. I'm sure it's like that with, with Mike, he's constantly working. And by the way, we will get Amanda and Mike together on a podcast, you know, <laughs> it will because, happen. exactly. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, you know, and I'll say this, um, do you ever feel like at times that you know, there, there were, there were times you gave feedback and you were like, I probably shouldn't have done that. That was probably not the right thing to do, you know, because I would be that way, you know, using my background and things like that, I would probably give feedback and be like, ah, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Well, so because of the fact that we've kind of always worked together on that kind of stuff lately and through the pandemic, no, uh, initially, yes. <laughs> um, because what I tell some people, and I, I don't know if it's, I've posted about it before too. I don't actually really care for magic generally, which is funny because it's my job now. Um, but I love Mike and what he does. And there are a handful of other magicians who I also really love, but the majority of it, I don't care for because it feels contrived. It doesn't feel authentic. Um, it feels sort of like, Hey, look what I can do. And you can't, ha -ha. or I'm going to bring you up here on stage and, and kind of embarrass you kind of vibe. And, and I don't love that because right. I, the, 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 the empath in me goes like, there's people who are not liking this experience. Don't showcase that, you know? And so actually when I found out that my husband was a magician, when we were dating, I was sort of like, oh, well, okay. I mean, like up to now he seemed pretty cool. So I'll go with it. But and then I saw him perform and was like, oh my gosh, I've never seen anyone perform this way. 
since yeah. then I have because he showed me some of his inspirations and people he likes and stuff. But like to this day, I will not watch America's Got Talent. Like I can't. It, I get physically angry. Like I want to throw things at the TV. <laughs> Amanda, you're so, bringing up a great point, and forgive me for jumping in there, but you bring awesome. up such a great point there. And and I wrote about this in my book, People Buy from People, is the fact that it, it feels like, and I'm not, and and what I was going for is what Mike does in connecting with people and doing corporate events and things like that. Yes, you know that this guy is coming in to, to, you know, that, that the impossible, so to speak, is not possible. However, you, you trust what your eyes are seeing, whether you're in person or you're doing it virtually. And it's a sense of wonderment. It's yeah. a sense of, oh my goodness. You, mm -hmm. you, and, and what it should be to your point is the display of talent and skill that he's worked at for years and years in a lifetime to develop. And I said this in, in, in my book, I feel like with connection, and this is great segue about connection and connecting with audiences. And I said this, and I want to get your, your take on it is that it feels like to me that some magicians have to do bigger and bigger tricks because it, it, you know, you have to keep pushing the envelope, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And it feels that way with connection a lot of times that people feel like they have to say bigger and bigger things to get people to connect with them. You know, I just hit 50,000 followers on LinkedIn or I just became most influential or things like that. And I'm not disparaging anybody that does that. Mm -hmm. It just feels like for some, they have to use those things to continue to ramp it up and ramp it up and ramp it up. Is that kind of where, you know, you say, you know, I can't watch America's Got Talent. Is that kind of where that comes from? Is is that disconnection with the audience, so to speak? Uh, I think it very, very well could be part of it. Like there's the whole thing to seem rather than to be, you know? Yeah. And I think that it comes kind of with what you're saying, you know? So, so whether it, whatever the reason underlying it is, it's like, I have to keep saying like, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm valuable. I'm worth something. I'm, and whether that's because you don't think you are, or because you need to prove it so that you can justify the paycheck or whatever, like I'm not going to get into psychology right now, you know, but I think it, it comes across when your intention is look at me rather than let's do this thing you know, whatever this thing may be, let's, let's connect these people. Let's, um, inform about whatever, let's help you learn about skincare. Let's like, when you don't have a specific mission or goal and you're just sort of doing for the doing's sake, I think you can, you can get caught in that because then when is it enough? Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. You know dreams are powerful pieces of intentional encouragement. We all have them. If you're a business owner, you've probably always dreamed of taking your sales to levels you've never seen before. I've got a guy that can help you with that. His name is Brad Norwood. My good buddy Brad has been on the Intentional Encourager podcast as a guest before, and he is a dream specialist. His company, Dream It Pro, offers incentive packages to travel to places such as the Masters, 
Kentucky Derby, the Super Bowl, even exotic places that you've always wanted to take your team, but you just didn't know how to do it. Brad's your guy. And oh, by the way, Brad's a certified bucket list coach, so he can help your team members achieve their personal dreams as well. I want you to go to www.dreamitpro.com and find out more or call him directly at 479-466-6907. And by the way, tell him you heard it on the Intentional Encourage podcast. Let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourage podcast. You know, and so I love that doing for the doing's sake. But like, I think there's a lot of people who are on LinkedIn because someone told them they should be, whether it was their boss or their career coach or whatever. And they're like, you got to be on there. Magical things are happening there. Make your connections. Go out and do Social Saturday. Not that Social Saturday is. Ter- I'm not. That's it's a great thing. But like, go do all these things. So they're out there and they're like, here I am. And the only metric they have for whether or not that's helpful is how many followers they have or how many connections they have. But like, what are they doing with those things? You know? Well, in, in what I said in the book, what I, what I, and, and I don't mean to take this back around to that, but I did specifically write in the book. I use the example in my book mm-hmm. of the magician sawing the lady in half. One mm-hmm. of the fame, one of the more famous tricks of magic. And I used to watch as a kid, I would be fascinated, like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh. But you're exactly right. What I saw as a kid was they pulled a person out of the audience. You know, I would watch the ones that had celebrities, you know, where they would do, and it was like, you know, the celebrity was just mesmerized, but it was all about the magician. It was like, it wasn't about this, like, watch what I do. You know, she's going to take her shoes off and she's going to get in the box and look what I'm going to do. How great this is going to be because mm-hmm. I'm here. Yeah. And you can't do um, what I do. And, and it's like, there, there like, was no connection. What if there was no audience? Would, would anything change? And if the answer is no, nothing would change if there was no Ooh, audience. What if the, oh, I love that. Please go that, deeper there. Go that, deeper there. So, so Mike, when he's on, will be able to go deeper. But he actually is the one who taught me that. In when we were taught, because he'll show me tricks because of the fact that I don't super love magic. <laughs> he'll show me something and he'll be like, listen, I'm going to have critics in the audience who also feel the way that, th- that you feel about it. So if you go, eh probably somebody in the audience is going to go, eh, and I don't need that. Like, so I, like, that's kind of how I learned to not be worried to give my feedback. But you know, what? Really that's a, but you you know, know? So forgive me for jumping in there and I want you to go deeper there, but that is a lot. Sometimes it, whatever we're doing, mm-hmm. you can feel that pressure to bat a thousand, right? To get everybody mm-hmm. in the room to, mm-hmm. to buy in and be connected, knowing that you're going to have people that, eh, you know, yeah. okay, so so what big deal? And, and and it takes that person to be able to go, but there are all these people in the room that are loving this, that are connecting. That, well, and that, I think that goes back to the purpose then, you know, like why are you doing this? Because then you can kind of, you can kind of go through that a little bit, a little bit easier, you know? Because um, if your purpose is to entertain every single person who's here, that's going to, that's going to be a struggle. You know, if your purpose is to, to make connections here, then even the person who went eh, is still going to have seen it and have something tangible that they can talk about with somebody else based on what you've done. So that is still achieving the goal. You know what I mean? Um, but that's, he, he says that all the time. Like if, if something, if something could happen and it wouldn't matter if there was another person here, then what is the value in that? You know, 
and maybe there is value in that. Sometimes there could be. Um, but if there is no value in that, then 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 no. Well, and again, I, I love what you're I love where you're going with connection there because and I love the analogy that you use there. It's it's like what if there's no audience? because everybody's looking for an audience, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody is like, well, I want to grow my platform. I want to do this or that. And Amanda, to me, I would probably do the Intentional Encourager podcast if two people a week listened. Right. Because you never know who's, gonna, who's going to encourage somebody with mm -hmm. what you do. You never know what's going to happen. And again, I think everybody is looking for the big trick, right? Mm -hmm. Let's, you know, let's, let's, let's saw the lady in half. Let's, you know, let's, let's, you know, let's make her levitate. You know, let's do, for, let's go for the big trick mm -hmm. instead of keeping the connection simple. Right. For you, what have you learned most about connection in your time on LinkedIn, helping Mike and then with your own business that you're doing? What have you learned most about connection? Um, I think kind of ties back to what we were just talking about too not every person is going to connect with you. Like you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea and that's okay. Um, that I think is the biggest thing that I've learned. And it, it doesn't matter as much the sensationalistness. <laughs> that's not even a word, but of what it is that you're saying, it, ma it matters the, the authenticity in it. Like you don't have to talk about how terrible it was for you when your grandma died in order to get people to connect with you. You can, if that's what you want to talk about, if that if that's valuable to you and you're like, this is a story that I think could really encourage someone or, or it's, it's just like, I can't, I can't not share this. I need it to be yeah. something that I share, in which case, like all means do it. But if that's not comfortable for you and that's not you and that's not where you're coming from, don't see someone who has done that and go, that's how raw I have to get here in order to connect. You can connect over at pizza toppings. Like I have done it. <laughs> You really can. And, yeah, you really can. It comes from, from the heart of it. Like it has to come from, from you and not just like a canned pole kind of thing, you know? And I think the hardest part about that is trying to explain that to somebody and, and have them understand what you're talking about. Cause you're just like, what the heck does that mean? It has to come from your heart. You're talking about pizza and it has to come from your heart. Well, like legitimately pizza conversations do come from my heart because that's yeah. how much I love pizza. Pepperoni, um, ham, bacon, yeah. and black olives. There you go. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, well, I have diverse likes, but I'm a pepperoni, green pepper, onion, predominantly, unless we're talking about Chicago stuffed pizza. Yeah. In which case then there is a Chicago pizzeria called Nancy's and it's got a couple locations and they do a chicken cacciatore pizza that is amazing. And I go, I have it every time I go back, but you can see, see like there, there's like there's so much tied up in that for me, memories and, and the taste of it. And I can't get it all the time. And like, well, I used to call on pizza shops. So when I sold food, I had like 10 pizza shops at one time that I called uh -huh. on. So I had to sample everybody's pizza. You know, yeah. that's why I weighed over 300 pounds, you know. But, well, that's there's the, that's the, the slight drawback of the pizza world. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, it's it's a it's a hazard of the job. That's what, you know, yeah. what I would say is like, well, I have to try this pizza so I can help them grow their business, you know. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But no, you're, you're exactly right. It's, and, and again, people buy authenticity, right? Yeah. They don't, they don't, we, we're not drawn to fake. Like you were talking about a few minutes ago with like the America's Got Talent and things like that. It's, it's, I think people are just so desperate to be famous. Yeah. 
that they forget to be authentic. Well, and they draw, so they're having the same kind of issue that what we're talking about in order to keep that show relevant. And like, I'm not trying to harsh on any reality TV. People love it and it's cool and that's their thing. But it seems like it's going so extreme to stay relevant. Like now the only way you can be on these shows is if you are a cancer survivor or your spouse has died or your mom is in hospice or, you know, you have a child with leukemia. Like all the stories have to be like that intense for them to get to that point. And so then like, is it still America's Got Talent now? Or are we now just like, what? what no, you're 100% people right. People with stories. And people with stories are always going to be stickier to your brain. Like they're going to stick in there and you're going to think about them. So I get why they do it. And I'm not criticizing that. But really. it's selling yeah. sensational. It's selling sensation. And it built, like you yeah. can't, how do you, how do you come back from that? Like, like that's how come all of the people that even on Ninja Warrior and all that stuff, like it's not yeah. just that he can compete this course. It's that he can do it with one leg. You know? Yeah. And no, you're a hundred percent. He's right. the oldest person ever at 42. And like, okay. <laughs> so, so I'm going to, so as we wrap up our first part of this conversation, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask the question that most people want to know. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I, I threw this out there to you and you're like, yeah, I get asked this question all the time. Okay. Amanda. Yes. <laughs> you ever been sawed in half? I have not. And that is because we don't do those tricks. <laughs> Okay, because. so that that's a great so so let, let's go there for just a minute. Yeah. Why why don't you guys do those? Because again, when people think of a magician, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of where their brain goes. I mean, am I am I wrong there? Or? No, that's totally where they go. And so the reason why we don't is one travel, right? Most of Mike's shows are travel, so um, trying to to travel with all those ginormous props is a expensive, and b logistical nightmare. Um, just traveling when we had our own sound system was it was challenging. Uh, so he travels with his entire show fits in a doctor bag, like you know one of those old fashioned leather doctor yeah. bags. That's what he has. It tra- that's that's what it goes. It fits in the seat under the seat in front of him. He can leave the house and go and be ready. Like it's always packed and ready to go. Not that there's ever a magician emergency, but if there was, like he would be ready to do it. And it's so that he can be that connected with his audience, and that he had like he has a repertoire of like. I don't even know what the number's up to. It's over a thousand things that he can pull out in any given moment from that bag. And so the versatility of not needing a specific set of instruct, like of things that he needs in order to perform, the fact that he predominantly is a close-up magician, although he does have a stage act that also comes out of the same bag. Wow. Um, so again, like he's going to travel and he doesn't have to worry about, you know, did they get the rider? Do they have the right size stage? Do they have the right you know, size table. Do they have, do they have, do they have? It's with him. It's ready to go. He can stand up and do it wherever it is that he happens to be. Uh, But predominantly being a a close-up magician, that's how he gets down in and makes it so much more uh, relatable. I mean, like he's standing at the table with you. There's guys behind him and all around the front and he's doing magic that close. And so then he leaves that table and all those guys are and women are like, what the heck? And they're all talking now. Did you see that? Oh, I had this one time when I was in Vegas. Oh, one time I saw in Atlantic City or whatever. Did you see on America's Got Talent? And they're all talking, which segues into more conversations that are so much more in-depth and memory-related and emotion-driven than sitting there going like, hey, so this is a really good signature cocktail. Well, it's the wonderment, right? It it is. It is. You get taken from like executive state brain, like function, I'm I'm professional at this event, to a kid. 
And when yeah, you're, and I'm standing you're there, ready to connect to people and, and, and talk about this amazing thing and like the, the suspension of disbelief, I think that's why magic was so valuable during the pandemic. There was so much ugly yeah. and hopelessness. And to be able to see magic and go, look at that. That, how could that happen? There's no way that could I'm happen. I'm breathing on this guy and I still don't know what he did. Yeah. And it's like, like my, my brain is now sort of like cracked open a little bit to possibility. Yeah. You know, 100%. well, like, it's the ultimate form of encouragement. Really? Yeah. If you think, if you think about it, it's, it's, it's tremendous encouragement. So, yeah. Hey, we could talk, I, we could talk all day Alice. about this, <laughs> but again, I want to save the second part of our conversation for your story. Mm -hmm. And again, um, go to LinkedIn and find Amanda, Amanda B. Duseberg, D-U-S-E-B-E-R-G. Find her on LinkedIn. But again, Amanda, thank you for joining me today for part one of this conversation. You better come back for part two because it's going to be even better. <laughs> Amanda, I appreciate you joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Thank you so much. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.